Hey, boppers. Grooving Movies is a podcast devoted to cult, vintage horror, exploitation, and pre-Haze Code films. Join Eddie French, Emma Tidswell, and Tom King on Grooving Movies every Monday. Can you dig it? Welcome to episode 3030 of Movie Bomb. Or should we be saying Merry Christmas? Well, it, dep- it depends when this goes out. Uh, okay. we, might, we might be really annoying people. <laughs> yeah, what like in shops when the music, like Christmas music starts. Yeah, yeah. Or like, have we even seen the Christmas, the, the Coca-Cola Christmas ad yet? I mean, I think, yeah, no, that, that's out. I feel like we also need to be a little bit honest here as well. We're going to be taking uh, December off uh, from this podcast. Uh, I'm going to be doing a pantomime. And uh, Mike, Mike's moving back to uh, Liverpool. Uh, we're all, yeah, a uh, whole different place. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot <laughs> you have like some yeah. sort of like tribal the, war. Yes, yes. With the mainlanders. The, wool, the wolves, the woolly backs, the posh scousers. What, you like different uh, species? The scousers, or yes, yes, it's very complicated. Um, it's like Warhammer, isn't it? It is a bit. Yeah. Um, but much like Liverpool-Manchester divide, north and south as well. I mean, we all hate each other, basically. Yeah. Um, it's war. Uh, so, yeah, now I'm moving back to look after uh, my children for a, a bit. So we'll be on a brief hiatus. Uh, yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll let's get stuck into this week's episode. Because this week, it's sort of, uh, we're doing like a Christmas special. Uh, but it's also like uh, works a roundup uh, of the movies of 2019. Yeah, it's an end of the year, uh, episode 30. You know, it's a roundup. It's and it's but we're going to be pitching Christmas movies and we're going to be delving into Christmas films and we will be talking about Christmas films because it is coming up to Christmas. And it's also a massive thank you to all of our listeners for sticking with us for 30 episodes. If you haven't listened to any before this one, uh, why? Why? This is a strange one to start with. Uh, I feel <laughs> yes. there are going to be better episodes for you to enjoy. Anyway, let's get stuck into... Um, well, I feel like we should start with uh, the best movies of 2019. Right, yes. This year that we're in now, 2019. This year, this year. Now, I made a discovery whilst I was writing down my best movies of 2019, which is that most of my favourite movies of 2019 were made and released in 2018 <laughs> and were not eligible for my top five. Yes, I noticed this, um, which crushed me slightly. But, um, but then technically some of these films were for us released in 2019 because they came out mm. in the cinema in 2019 here, sort of, but they were released in the States beforehand. I don't know how it works. Yeah, it's pretty tricky. Like, for instance, there's a movie um, directed by Takeshi Miike, which is a particular favourite Japanese director of mine, and that's come out recently called First Love. But it's not really being shown in cinemas in the UK, or at least not in the Northwest. Uh, So I'm probably going to have to wait for its DVD release in February. 
Um, at which point, like, I'm going to watch it in 2020, but it, it wouldn't be eligible for my 2020 top five because it's a 2019 film. So it is a shame, but one of the reasons why I feel we had to stick to this rule um, was because it really forced us to cut it down to a top five because we would have struggled otherwise. Yeah, it was a blessing and a curse. In, yeah, um, it, it has sort of helped me. I, I was struggling with the last couple in my top five. Top five's hard. I mean, maybe top seven or top ten. Or We'll go for top five. We'll go for top five. The movies that were released in 2018 that should have been in either of our top tens that or top fives that didn't quite make it uh, were movies such as, what have I got here? Uh, Under the Silver Lake, I thought was amazing. Never saw that, but really want to. Uh, Burning, which is just a fantastic Great, 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 great film. Uh, the Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which we were like the Terry Gilliam movie that's finally been released. I still need to see that. It's really fucking great. And I think also like uh, a return to form for Terry Gilliam because I've not been the biggest fan of his most recent work. Things like Zero Theorem, I just don't think are quite on the same level as Brazil. But his most recent effort, uh, Don Quixote, definitely was for me. Um, also, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes, I was that that was going to creep onto my list possibly. Yeah, same. Um, a fantastic film, Richard E. Grant's brilliant in it. Mm-hmm. So is Melissa McCarthy. Um, if you haven't seen it, um, it was nominated. Did it win any Oscars in the end? Did it win a screenplay? Oh, I I'm can't remember. Not sure if it if it won any. I don't think it won anything. But, but it, it, was it was nominated, nominated in a yeah. fair few ca- categories. And Richard was nominated. And we were all happy about that earlier in the year. And this year, I mean, yeah, this year was uh, there was a bit of Richardy. Richardy Grant was uh, popped up quite a lot this year, just being nice, didn't he? As did Keanu Reeves. He was the the big man of 2019 yeah. as well. So there were lots of uh, people popping up, and uh, yeah. So were there any other movies that you missed? Uh, that are 2018. Well, Dragged Across Concrete. Right, really I still good. need to see that. I love that guy's movies. Craig Esazala, he's a fantastic director. He's the guy who did Bone Tomahawk and um, Brawl in Cell Block 99. Brilliant. Um, and Dragged Across Concrete is, is again, you know, it's just, just as good as the others. Uh, really, really solid effort. And it's um, a return to screen for um, uh, Mel Gibson which is an interesting choice Yes, uh, to lead a film in 2019. Also, a documentary, Free Solo. That was 2018, which I watched, but I watched it this year. About the climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the, um, yeah, yeah. About climbing up mountains, but without, but without a harness. Mad bastards. Oh, like, it's a genuinely brilliant documentary. I'm a big fan of documentaries. Uh, I think Behind the Curve or Beyond the Curve, the, the Flat Earth documentary. Right. That would have, probably also been a contender for my top five what about 2018 i would say i I didn't even think about it but now that you've mentioned documentaries Mm -hmm. um when was the fire festival documentary that was really good yes i think that's also 2018 yeah Yeah, that was very good yeah it was very good um okay yeah were there any others crazy rich asians 2018 was it yeah 2018 yeah that was great film we did talk about that in uh an earlier podcast i believe yeah Uh, surely the rom-coms episode yes uh, it's a great if you're after 
Uh, yeah, maybe you're coming up to Christmas if you're with the family. If you're after a crowd-pleasing, oh, yeah. like, big rom-com for everyone to watch. You've got a new, you know, someone's got a new girlfriend around. Or, you know, you, you need to watch a film together. Yeah. I think that's a good crowd-pleaser, right? I 100% agree. Watch Crazy Rich Asians this Christmas, you fucking bastards. <laughs> um, also, one of the first movies that I watched this year that came out in 2018 was uh, The House That Jack Built. And for me, that is a five-star film. Really, really, really interesting. Not one to watch with the family at Christmas. Yeah, again, yeah, probably... <laughs> yeah, not one to watch in a double bill yeah. with Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, um, it's still one I haven't seen. Your listing films, I still are on my list. I really want to watch that. Also, uh, Piercing and Arctic, uh, I absolutely loved. Piercing, that was the weird, fucking weird comedy horror yeah, with, with uh, Mia. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I Can't always say her name. Struggle to pronounce <laughs> her last name. Yeah, the, the girl that played Alison Wonderland in Tim Burton's Alison Wonderland films. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. But I really, really recommend Piercing. You know, get it up on your IMDb. See if it's your sort of thing. Uh, sort of like it's quite a, extreme. Yeah, but quite arty yeah. as well. Yeah. Like almost like um, it's quite like if Wes Anderson did horror, which is the thing he's always teased. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so if you'd like to see that, I'd say watch Piercing. Uh, but also Arctic, which is the Mads Mikkelsen, uh, you know, upper mountain survival plane crash film, which uh, I think, you know, I don't think it really like did much damage at the box office, but I thought it was really brilliant. I'm a big fan of uh, movies that use sort of like uh, mountain environments but this is the first film in a very long time that I think's really done it justice like I thought it was better than Everest mm. and better than uh, The Grey uh, that I think are perfectly decent films but I thought Arctic was really really fucking great right um, so definitely watch that and not to be confused with Arctic which is a movie that we watched at Grimfest which was good but... uh, yeah that's Arctic A-R-T-I-K mm-hmm yeah and yours is the place, Mad Mickelson, the place Arctic. Arctic. Yeah, 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 Arctic. Right. The Arctic Circle. That's, <laughs> that's the Mad Mickelson movie. So those are the movies from 2018 that uh, I, I enjoyed and probably would have made my top eight, top five if we were allowed to put them in. And you, you saw them in 2019. I did. I watched mm. all of those in 2019. Yeah. And so this is why this big one for me was going to be like the possibly the best film I saw of the year because I saw it in 2019 and it mm -hmm. was on my list but um, as we say we've got to cut it down because it's technically 2018 and that's a film called Border right yeah um, oh he loves going on about Border <laughs> which was an amazing uh, just domestic fantasy movie about um, it's Swedish was it yeah um, about uh, <laughs> um, this lady who works on the Swedish border um, and she sort of realises uh, that she's, uh, in fact, a troll. <laughs> uh, and it's this weird sort of twisted love story thriller that unfolds. And it really focuses on some great folklore. And I just think it's really cool. And I think it's the kind of film that people just won't watch. And I think more people need to see it. It's it's bizarre. It's unique. And it's brilliant, and you should see it. It's also worth mentioning that it, I think it's a lot more accessible than people would probably think yes. it would be. Like, people hear, what, a Swedish movie about a, a border 
control officer that's a troll. <laughs> yeah. that, that sounds horrendous. I know, but it's a but beautiful it's, film. It's a film that I genuinely believe if my parents could get past the <laughs> subtitles, they would thoroughly enjoy it. And they're awful Tories. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, even a Tory would like it. I no, mean, it's it is. Beautiful. It, it's a rom- it's a very romantic film. Um, it looks great. Yeah, and and also like I, I, it's it's the effort they've gone to. Like I don't think it was easy to make this film beautiful. Mm, like because mm. it everything in it is so ugly. Yeah, and there was elements of Scandi police drama in it as well. In yeah. moments. And adding to that, just these moments of cool folklore and fantasy. Um, the little fucking weird thing in the fridge. <laughs> I forget that it does work really well as a crime drama as yeah, well. Like, yeah. yeah, that is why it's... it's just yeah, got it's great, been... loads of great elements. Fucking great, that film. Um, recommend it. And All people talk about is the troll sex scene, but um, even that's beautiful. <laughs> so, I mean, the last two films we've recommended have been um, uh, Scandinavian, so Arctic and... Right. Uh, well, good for them. Um, but yeah, no, seriously, don't be put off with the premise. As Rez says, watch it. It's fantastic. Um, but I also would say uh, in January, mm-hmm. um, that was when I saw The Favourite and I really liked The Favourite. Yeah. Which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That won Oscars and shit. And that was, um, how'd you say his name again? Another name I can't pronounce. Yamofus. Andrew. Oh. Uh, yeah. The guy who did The Lobster and. Lanthamos. Lanthamos. Yeah. Lanthamos. Yeah. Lanthamos. Yeah. Uh, I really liked The Favourite. I don't know how you thought about it, but yeah, I really, really liked it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I liked it, and I'm, I'm growing to enjoy this director's movies. I didn't enjoy his stuff when I first watch it, watched his work. I think the first thing I watched of his was The Lobster, which I still to this day don't enjoy. I liked it. But there are other bits of his work that I have enjoyed. Dogtooth. Love you know, Dogtooth. <laughs> it's it's Love very Dogtooth. strange, but I really appreciate it. Um Killing of a Sacred Deer, I thought was really interesting. So he's a bit of a, a hit and miss director for me. Uh, this I thought was thoroughly watchable and entertaining, but it didn't blow me away like it did to other people. Um, but I was really, really glad um, how much attention that movie got because I think it's kind of out there for a movie like that to be, you know, like Oscar nominated and whatever. It's, it's a bit like when Birdman won yeah. the Oscar. Like, it's, yeah. it's great that something so surreal got that attention. Yeah, because I think from afar, just looking at it, it's like, oh, well, that's a period drama. Of course it's going to get nominated. Mm. But when you actually watch it, it's not. It's not like other period dramas. It's a weird, unique, crazy period drama. Well, I think one thing that people forget is this is the first movie that Lanthimos has done that is even set in reality. Yeah. Because <laughs> all, all of his other movies are set in sort of like a weird... Uh, parallel universe where things just operate differently, where people yeah. are different. Yeah. Um, whereas this was like a legit period drama, and it's really interesting seeing him sort of like bring, almost bring a lot of those sense um, yeah. sensibilities into uh, a period drama. And it, you know, like because I think all of his movies are about madness, I suppose, yeah. to an yeah. extent. Just and, love the grubbiness, the intimacy, and all the camera work and inside that. The, all the, the location it was just great now in 2019 I've, t- I've seen a lot of films I've seen now 300 movies this year I've, I've been keeping count with fuck. an app on my phone fuck um, I've probably seen about the, the I've, same I've seen a lot of shit <laughs> yeah okay well we're going to get to our high five and low five of 2019 right yeah I just wanted to mention briefly there's some really average films that I saw this year okay and, and like I saw a lot of these at the cinema which really just really cut 
like run-of-the-mill average films like uh, Angel Has Fallen, uh, which I know you quite liked. Well, I kind of like the the Fallen trilogy for Gerard Butler's Mike Banning. He's a, if you have never seen any of his movies, Olympus Has Fallen, um, London Has Fallen, Angel Has Fallen. Mike Banning's a funny, he's a good character and he's funny. And in that film, there is a scene at the end credits when he goes for like a, a, a relaxing spa with his dad, Nick Nolte. And it's hilarious. <laughs> it saves the film, but it's technically not really in the film. It's it, in the credits. It just saves the film from making my uh, bottom five, which Whew. we will get to. Thank God for that little fucking sketch at the end. Um, so what were the other really average films? Rambo Last Blood was really average. For a movie to get, that I saw at the cinema, you know? Strong um, half, last half hour, when it goes all sort of Rambo Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Red Sea Diving Resort, that was pretty meh. It's like that. one of Chris Evans' first movies. Uh, it's it's very... Chris um, Evans' first movies in, twi- well, in since, 2019? Well, oh, since, <laughs> since, you know, leaving the Marvel yeah, Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's very much sort of like a, a Hotel Mumbai type setup. Right, okay. Um, but it what it, it just was just really boring, and then some that were a bit above average, like Crawl and Ready or Not. Yeah, I never saw Ready or Not. Really want to see it. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, Crawl was great. Um, I thought the film we watched last night to give an honourable mention to, um, but I don't know if you thought it was average. Little Monsters we watched last night with Lupita uh, Nyong'o. I, I always mispronounce her name, but I love her. <laughs> She's one of my favourite actors at the moment. Um, yeah, Little Monsters were good. It wasn't one of my favourites, uh, not even my fa- one of my top five horror films this year. But, but there's been some good horror films this year. Yeah, I have seen um, a lot of good stuff. But I think it was really sweet. And even the end again made me cry twice, that film. Right at the end, I don't oh, know Oh, really? Yeah. I think it's because I'm a parent and I know you're not. Yeah. Little Monsters affected me more because yeah. I have little girls at the same age as the girls as the kids that are in the film. Yeah, I think that's really fair. So I found it quite emotional and I really liked that film, but... If you're after, like, a fun little uh, a zombie comedy, which is really sweet. Because um, it's kind of a family film, apart from all the swearing and gore. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's really sweet. Uh, I'd, I'd recommend it. We should... Uh, how do you feel about this? Do you think we should do the worst movies of 2019 before we do the best movies of 2019? Otherwise, isn't this going to be a little bit of an anticlimax for our listeners? Okay. Oh, no. Fair enough. Well, let's do our low five before our high five. I think we might have a couple that are the same, maybe. In our disappointing or, or shit movies of <laughs> of 2019. I'm just going to read out my five. Okay. Okay. And, and then you can read out your five and then we'll just discuss them. Okay. Well, my worst movies of 2019 are in no particular order. Although okay. The, Although I'm starting with the shittest. <laughs> so some particular order. Yes. Um, Shazam. Yes. Shazam. I feel like this one's probably going to be on your list as well. Do I give away the secret? Or I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, we'll see. Who knows? Um, no, yeah, yeah. T- tell me, why, why did it make your list? Uh, well, it's shit. And I didn't enjoy <laughs> it. Um no, I feel like we spoke about this film before on this podcast. There was just, for me, nothing to in- enjoy about it. Like, uh, and, I, and I wasn't expecting much. Like, it's. I don't think this is the best, uh, most entertaining bit of the podcast because, like, 
there's not really much that I can say about it. There's not really like funny takedowns I can take about it because it was just, it was dull and lifeless and made me sad and wish that I was at home. But I wasn't. I was in the cinema having paid lots of money to watch something that I didn't enjoy. And, and just recalling the incident is bringing back a lot of trauma. Well, that's interesting the way you describe it, because a lot of people who see that film and, and recommend that film say it's fun. And I've known, I've, I've argued about this film to people um, and they say, oh, yeah, it was just a nice little fun family superhero Ugh. comedy. But like, well, first, what was funny about it? <laughs> and two, it's not. It's it's a fucking hallmark made for TV movie about a foster family. Yeah. Uh, with occasional bits of a superhero montage that every bit he's in is just a fucking montage and it just it was just so much missed opportunities yeah it just felt very like paint by numbers it felt i don't know sort of uh put together by a committee i suppose i suppose actually it feels like a kids film and you know it kind of is so yeah. maybe i'm kind of criticizing it for just being itself and it was a christmas film kind of and it was it came out like right. earlier this year and so maybe if i watch it again this christmas i don't know why i would but maybe if i did i would appreciate it more um because it's more of a family christmasy movie i remember the jokes just really not working but obviously the premise is really strong and I, I was just really confused as to how you could make this premise so not entertaining. Yeah. I mean, Mark Strong as the villain pretty pretty much sleepwalks through it, but um, he's made for this kind of film. But then, it, I don't know, about halfway through, the just the writing just went out the window. There's so many bits where, like, something would happen, then he'd, like, point to the TV, and it was just, like, co- it was just, I don't know, it was coincidental, you, you yeah. know, and there was just no... It was just really paint by numbers, as you say. Yeah, a bit, a bit, bit heartless. Um, okay, uh, next one for me was Serenity. Not the um, <laughs> Nathan Fillion sci-fi series. No, no, not movie. not the movie spin-off of Firefly, uh, but the Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway uh, All Star. <laughs> all-star cast yeah no and and there are there's a a couple other um named actors in it as well um and it's it's a very strange film it's one of those films where you you watch it and you go like why was this made like i can't Mm. think of a single reason why this was like why huge stars such as anne hathaway and matthew mcconaughey would sort of like take time out of their lives to to make this you know like uh and 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 what f- what financiers would have spent millions, yeah. you know, wanting to have this made? What like, is? Yeah, it, it's just quite odd. And it's um for those of you that haven't heard of it, it's uh sort of like set out on this sort of like a tropical paradise, um, and it's about some it's about a couple that sort of like have a dark secret, and there's basically a big M Night Shyamalan esque twist towards the end that's just Ooh. that's ludicrous are they all dead um n- no but i i don't i can't do the spoiler on on the podcast okay. for those that want to see it but um it's just a terrible film <laughs> um i mean what genre does it even fit into boat thriller technically yeah like thriller but it goes into sci-fi oh wow okay. um it, it's it's quite the film uh sounds good you're selling <laughs> Don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Also in my bottom five is Isn't It Romantic? Rebel Wilson. Yes. She's, Re- she's trapped in a rom-com, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I- I'll be honest, 
I don't really remember a second of this film, but I remember the overwhelming emotion of uh, dislike that I had whilst watching it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a decent concept. Like, uh, a girl gets trapped in sort of, a, in a, her own movie, a kind of rom-com. If I remember correctly, it kind of defeats its own mechanics, kind of. Like, the, the premise doesn't really hold up. They sort of, like, set up the rules of the world and then immediately... Abandon them. Uh, abandon them. Uh, which, which always, pr- like, proper pisses me off in a film. Um, I, I felt that with Baby Driver. Yes, well, I mean, yeah, I agree. But there's a lot of problems with that film. That I <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not big fans, but a lot of people are. Um, so Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson, Rebel Wilson deserves more, you're saying? No, that's not what I'm saying Oh, at you're all. not? You're no. saying she deserves this shit film. <laughs> Fuck off. I don't, I don't know, like, <coughs> I don't think it's really my job to, to <laughs> what demand... Uh, actors be cancelled or receive less or more work. That's definitely not my job here as a, a podcaster in the United Kingdom. Um, I don't I don't hate Rebel Wilson as, a, as an on-screen presence, um, but she's never really, really impressed me. I, I think she's quite good in Pitch Perfect. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that's probably her best work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, you know, she, she's probably one of those performers that works well with a decent script behind her. I think think the issue for her is like i mean is she ever really going to make the jump into serious acting no i mean well i know she's in cats um she had another film i mean she's had just had bombs out this year really because um there was that but that was straight to netflix but she did have like um the remake of dirty rotten scoundrels starring anne hathaway right yeah yeah hustle her career is kind of interesting because if you think about like someone like uh, Melissa McCarthy, she really did make that jump. Like she was sort of like a, just a a bit part in Gilmore Girls, who was very much like the comedy relief. Um, like ha ha, there's a fat lady. Um, mm. But she's a serious actress and is respected um, in the industry now. And you know, it'd be nice for Rebel Wilson to make that jump. You know, like um, I don't know who she could play. Uh, who who was the 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 female writer that Bubbles Devere was a was a was a spoof of in Little Britain? Oh, not like Barbara Cartland or something like that. <laughs> Whichever what there was like a an old female writer that used to like sit in a chaise lounge and she'd have um, a young intern sit at a typewriter oh. and uh, she'd dictate her novels to her and that's right. what the, the the character bubbles okay. in little britain comes from but it, it it's based on a real writer and i think uh like reb wilson would be fantastic at playing that role you know like if she she played like a a posh english lady maybe she should do downton yeah yeah why not just that film was released in 2019 well maybe if reb wilson were to do like more like uh period drama based things maybe that would make her more inclined and like sort of like bookable for more serious roles i think sod the dramas i think and she likes a bit of action i think she should go into a, like a gritty sci-fi action or yeah. something or play like a proper like i don't know about space bounty hunter or an alien or something that's a know? pretty cool idea yeah um but like not like comedy sci-fi like gritty or like horror or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Horror? 
She could get have a hereditary. That's on her a good hands point, actually. Like, I mean, and Elizabeth Moss, uh, she's gone from comedy, and she she does a lot of horror now. Yeah, and she's got um, the Invisible Man coming out, which, which looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, maybe Rebel Wilson to run away from someone with a knife. <laughs> um, uh, that sounded really threatening. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hope you stay, just stay safe, Rebel. The the next movie in my worst movies of 2019 was a movie again i don't really remember this one much in the shadow of the moon in the shadow of the what never heard of this in the shadow of the moon it was on netflix uh something to do with time travel and or vampires can't really tell you much else uh it was fucking bollocks <laughs> <laughs> leave it at that and uh, my final Worst movie of 2019 is, and you're not going to like this one, Mike, it's Murder Mystery. Right. The Adam Sandler ensemble detective comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what's quite interesting about this one? It's one of my worst movies of 2019, but I also recognise that it's actually much better than Adam Sandler's (laughs) more recent works. So it's actually a better movie than he's released in recent years, but it's still one of my worst movies of 2019 and i've watched 300 films this year i quite like murder mystery only because i've grown up liking i like goofy detective comedy movies like who's harry crumb with john candy if you've ever seen that's brilliant uh fletch chevy chase movies you know films like that comedy thrillers and uh a Manhattan Mister Manhattan Murder Mystery. Um, so I like this. It, I, I could see it was some. It was a bit shit, <laughs> but I don't know. I I quite enjoyed it. I think I just kind of. Um, I'm personally getting bored with like how little effort Adam Sandler has to put in his movies. I mean, we're looking forward to Uncut Gems. That looks good, and he looks good in that. Yeah, I mean, I genuinely believe that he could actually get an Oscar nomination this year. I so hope he does, because there's always someone like, you know... It's on the cards. Left, left field, or... Yeah. Uh, you know, and also, I, I think um, anyone that gets nominated for an Oscar has a chance of winning as well, it's worth mentioning. So I, I could be you know, having a massive swing at a future Oscar winner here. <laughs> no, I won't. I, I, I think that's a good shout. He could well be nominated for that. Um, so those are my bottom five movies of 2019. Shazam, Serenity, Isn't It Romantic, In the Shadow of the Moon, and Murder Mystery. Okay. It's on to you. Fair enough. So uh, my low five. Your low five. Uh, well, I mean, we've already discussed Shazam. We surprise, have. surprise, mm-hmm. Shazam is there in my low five. I mean, we saw this in the cinema, and I think that's what, what was the real icing yeah. on the cake for me. I'm I sorry. couldn't just turn it off ten minutes in. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're not really mean to kick it. And if you think it's quite good and whatever, I mean, you are wrong. But, um, yeah, it, it made the list because it just... I, I don't know, it was, it was a superhero that people didn't know too much about i knew a little bit about and i was expecting it to be like for them to capitalize on the idea and make it fun but it was just dull i thought so mm-hmm. let's get on to um my others uh wounds we watched a film called wounds we did watch a film called wounds on netflix mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. army hammer army hammer and dakota fanning yes or dakota johnson no dakota johnson yeah yeah um, and it was a strange sort of Lovecraftian tale about uh, a barman. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there were elements, weirdly, of uh, 
it's always sunny in Philadelphia about this film. There was. I don't know why. I mean, it, I guess because I was watching a lot of it at the time, and I don't know, and he's a barman, and he's... And he's not a very nice guy, in part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a bit like a weird, serious horror version of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's the sort of thing that they would do as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but it's about... I mean, I'll try to explain what it's about, but I don't really know what it's about. It's about a barman... And then what happens? The, the best way I would describe it is, I think this is a complete rip-off of uh, J-horror, of like Japanese right. ghost horror yes. movies. So if you've seen movies like The Eye, Pulse, um, the more obvious ones, The Grudge, uh, The Ring, um, all, all those films, uh, One Miss Call is another one. Uh, some of these are great, actually. I really like them. And Nori the Curse. Um, but this is uh, basically like um, a modern American retelling of one of those stories yeah which is basically it's sort of like a ghost story mixed in with some form of like technology yes because he finds a phone in the bar after a violent incident in the bar that's how it kind of kicks off and that's yeah the plot of the film and then he he finds this phone and then it sort of spirals from there of phone calls and texts he sees on the phone but then there's some sort of like curse so it, it, it's quite similar yeah. to a lot of these mo- mo- these south asian movies that i mentioned because it sort of mixes the idea of curses in with modern technology and fear of technology um but then, it's just very similar to one of those but then it goes with a sort of lovecraftian spin imagery um you know all the thing about wounds and uh, that sort of weird shit yeah, it, the, the the difference, yeah, you're totally right. The, the difference it sort of has from those movies that I mentioned is that it remains ambiguous and Lovecraftian, as you say, whereas a lot of the Asian ones are sort of like definitive of like, oh no, it's a ghost, his name's Jim. Yeah, um, <laughs> and none of them are like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> no, rarely, but you know, maybe maybe a Japanese version of It's Always Sunny in yeah, or like <laughs> Yeah, all the Japanese horror characters run a bar like the one from the thing uh, not the thing uh, the ring uh, grudge dark water lady yeah. let's open a bistro uh, so, anyway yeah so so yeah wounds it was a netflix film uh it was just i don't know it, yeah it was a bit disappointing and it's one of those films where when it ends you're like what? what? Yeah. Like it, it, it felt like it. another 15 minutes was coming, but yeah, but it, you don't get it. it. <laughs> but maybe it's for the best. Um, so Wounds, I wasn't a fan of. Um, another horror movie about wounds <laughs> uh, and gore and that. Um, Rabbit. We've mentioned this on the podcast before. We have, which is a remake um, of the David Cronenberg horror movie Rabbit by uh, Soska Sisters Um and I don't know, it's just something about their work or their films that are a bit clinical for me. It was just very, uh, the kind of actors she has, they have, uh, maybe uh, it's intentional, but they are very sort of daytime TV actors and it's all very yeah. stilted. But maybe that's what they're going for. But I just think the aesthetics, if that's what they're going for, they need to pump up the other aesthetics a bit. I don't know, it just seems a bit uneven. And then the people that they've got in the leads aren't that engaging and I don't know. And just the... Yeah, it just... There wasn't any... It's just a bit heartless. And I know the horror films, they can be clinical and whatever, but Mm -hmm. I need a bit of heart, a bit of something that was just very empty. There's some good ideas in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, totally. You don't need to make excuses for these films. I know it's it's tough to get through this bit because we're just being negative, (laughs) aren't we? I know, I know. We are going to be positive very soon. Yeah, we are. Very positive. There's been (laughs) lots of great stuff this year. Um... 
I'll save my edgiest one for last, but um, a, a kid's film that I just saw the other day that I like, I have two little daughters and so sometimes we'll get some popcorn and whack on a movie and I'll, you know, I'll usually try and find something that I might try and want to watch. It's very hard to pick anything that, because I just get told what to do by them and Nula, my eldest, tells, you know, she decides what we watch. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I try to get films on. We really enjoyed myself and the girls my two girls, Nula and Delaney, um, two and four. Uh, Delaney's two, Nula's four. We all enjoyed Secret Life of Pets. Okay, yeah. So we watched Secret Life of Pets 2, which was released this year. Mm-hmm. I think the girls kind of enjoyed it. So this isn't a review from them. <laughs> they right. enjoyed it. Okay. But uh, but I didn't. And I often will. I'll usually, you know, I'll, I'll put something on and I want to stay and watch it with them. Like, fucking, we watch Moana all the time. I've watched Greatest Showman about fucking 50 times with them. But uh, I just had to keep walking out of Secret Life of Pets 2. Because it just, there was nothing. It was just these fucking random plot lines all thrown together. There's a circus in there. I mean, I don't know whether they were suffering from the loss of Louis C.K. Because Louis C.K. <laughs> Louis C.K. in the first one was the voice of the main dog. Wow. Yeah. And then, obviously, he went and wanked in front of people. Uh, and the, then the people who make a kid's film, Secret Life of Pets, probably thought, oh, yeah. maybe we don't want him anymore as our main dog. So they subtly replace him for Patton Oswalt. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He, who, who, is, yeah. who is, to our knowledge, not wanked in front of anyone. Yeah, yeah. And unconsensually. So, yeah. So, um, and maybe that suffered. Maybe that made the film suffer. I mean, you didn't really know. It just as a kids' films go, um, like it, yeah, I wouldn't um, recommend it. But your kids were like, but it was just so fucking generic. They just threw loads of fucking circus animals in there. There was an evil. <laughs> there was an evil fucking circus ringmaster dude. I was just like, keep to the the great thing about Secret Life of Pets, the 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 original. It was just more. It was more based around the city, and it was in the about the apartments. I mean, it was basically Toy Story with pets. But well, you know, I'm gearing up to do Panto this season, this right. December at the Dance House Theatre. Okay. We're doing Goldilocks, which has a very strong circus theme. Okay. So maybe I should watch that film for a bit of uh, inspiration. I'd watch Greatest Showman <laughs> over that if you're going to, you know, yeah. talk about the circus. But tickets are on sale for Goldilocks and I am playing Little Red Riding Hood, so, you know. Mm, well, catch that. <laughs> no, we'll wait for the film version. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought I'd throw a kid's film in there. You can. Well, we went to see... Uh, in fact, this could fucking make my top five. I didn't even think about this. Uh, the best kids film of 2019 was um, Sean the Sheep, Farmageddon. Right. Uh, I went to, to the cinema with my uh, um, brother and his girlfriend and my two little girls. And uh, it's fantastic, like, sci-fi spoof. It's great. Sean meets an alien and uh, they have to try and get it home. It's It's fantastic. It's got loads of great, hilarious jokes, references for adults, like of the Alien movies, and and just loads of sci-fi Spielberg stuff. It's 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 great. Um, so yeah, that very nearly creeped into my top five. Um, I'm almost reconsidering it. No, no, <laughs> that's the best kids film. But anyway, so we'll stick to my low five, and the last one is um, the Joker. Wow. I would, I would go, <laughs> I, I could go into a big rant and then argue my position, whatever. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that I've just seen it all before and it was shit. Okay, 
I mean, I completely agree. And <laughs> I hated it. You agree, and, but you were too scared to put it into yeah, your... No, you know what? I was not brave enough to put yeah. the Joker in my bottom five. Do you know how annoyed some people are right now listening to this? <laughs> that you even have the tenacity to, to yeah. put that anywhere near your bottom five. And I can't even be asked going into why I hated it. I, I, I just... You know, there's so much, <laughs> and I just, it just, I've just seen it all before, and it bored me greatly. My point always has been, and it always will be, that it is a lot of different things, never its own thing, and the things that it is, I've seen before, uh, and yeah, you know. So shoot me, because that'll be most people's top five of 2019, or the decade, or, or like ever. I know some people like want to marry that film or <laughs> adopt it, um, but no. Because there were so many other great films you could have seen. I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, also, before we go into our top fives and get a little bit positive, a couple that were a bit shit but not quite shit enough to make my bottom five movies like The Highwayman, which was on Netflix with uh, Woody Harrelson and Kevin Costner, was dead dull. Uh, Cold Pursuit, the remake with Liam Neeson of um, In Order of Disappearance, was dead dull. Uh, Angel Has Fallen, which I think we've mentioned. And Dark Phoenix was uh, really, really shit, but then has like a really good fight scene at the end. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood didn't impress either of us, really. Right. This was going to be an honourable mention of lo-fi, but I didn't, it didn't make the list because there are some incredible moments of yeah, that film. some really incredible undeniable moments. The last moments. 20 minutes are brilliant. Um, All of Bruce Dern's stuff. Yes. I mean, there's loads of great stuff in it. Um, but there's so many decisions made in that film and so many little scenes that I hated that mm. I don't know. Like... I, I I liked some of that film and I hated some of it. I feel like it's it's really well made and he's made exactly the film he wanted to make. And I think that's the problem. It's not for me. <laughs> it's I not to know. my personal yeah, taste. I'm not sure if I want to see the films that Quentin Tarantino wants to make now. Um, I don't know. Well, let's get on to our top fives now, shall yes, we? Yes, let's stop being negative. Sorry, Quentin. We did a whole episode on you. Um, <laughs> go back, actually. We did a Quentin Tarantino episode. Um, top fives. Yeah. High fives. High fives. Hit me. Right. Well, okay. Uh, we'll start with some obvious ones. Um, starting with some obvious ones, Endgame. Yes, Endgame. It was just like, uh, you know, I haven't had an experience in a cinema like that probably in ever. You know, we, we went to a midnight showing and it was just a big deal. You know, the queue was down the road. Yeah. Uh, we had to go out of town to even fa- find someone that still had seats left. Yeah, and it was packed. You know, it, it was a, a shitty little uh, screen, but like the energy yeah. in that room was fucking me. Yeah, and just it's, it's something that those Marvel films have that they just are able to bring people together like that. And there were moments like when Black Panther appeared, or when yes. all this stuff happened, when 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 fucking Captain America grabs the fucking hammer, and you know, just so many moments when people were applauding. I know it might sound like uh, a really sort of like middle class. Uh, you know, trendy left thing for me to say. But like there was uh, clearly like quite a lot of the black community in our particular showing of Endgame. And it was really, really cool seeing how much they fucking popped off when Black Panther turned up. Like seeing how much it really means to a specific community when they're they're represented on screen is really fucking cool. And Marvel are the best at it. We felt that when we saw, we went to see Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and on like the opening night. Yes, and so, yeah, yeah. And you know, the, it was just it was just a different experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was great. Um, 
Yeah. And, so. and I got a similar thing when I saw, you know, like Captain Marvel, that, you know, yes. suddenly like... Uh, that was out 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it so only just kind didn't of, make my top five. Yeah, because if, if Endgame hadn't been there, maybe. But yeah. Endgame's there. So. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's Endgame. You know, it, it's an obvious one. I think everyone can kind of understand why it would be in your top five. It yes. was just a hell of an experience. Um, next one, Midsummer. Yes. Another one that I think, you know, it might be in your top five as well. Uh, time will tell. Um, but... You know, we're we're big fans of Ari Aster's work. He's done Hereditary before this. Uh, I'm looking forward to anything else that he makes in the future. It's it's a folk horror. It's very much, um, you know, tied to uh, The Wicker Man. Yes. But it's, it's sort of like a, a modern retelling. And, uh, you know, the fact that it it does follow a lot of the same lines and, and it can be predictable in parts uh, didn't detract from how much I love the film because of how much it brings to it, like, aesthetically. Like, yeah. it's a beautiful film, so well-crafted. Well, yeah, mentioning uh, The Joker, the, the two films that sort of take stuff from other stuff, mm. but there's the two differences. Yeah. That with Midsummer, it was just so welcome, and it was just, I don't know, I wanted it. I wanted just to... I could sort of see the ending coming at one point and I wanted that. <laughs> like, But then mm-hmm. I could feel the same with Joker, but it was a, a, a more negative feeling. <laughs> it was like, I've seen this all before. Yeah. And I don't want this to go where it's going because I know where it's going. But I don't know, Midsummer just had everything. And maybe it's just because I'm a big folk horror nut and uh, it just had everything I wanted of it. And the light, the fact that it's a big horror film and it's... it's it's just light all the time. Yeah, I think people, uh, yeah, don't give it credit for like yeah. the w- weird things like that. Yes. You know, like how difficult it is to make a movie that's genuinely terrifying that's also that bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, just a sensational movie, Midsummer. And now going into you know maybe lesser known ones, uh, but still I think they're pretty obvious. Parasite. I haven't seen it. Really wanting. Junbo Hong. He's the guy who did Snowpiercer. He did Okja. He did Mother. Um, he's an absolutely fantastic director one of my all time faves uh, Korean director I'm a big fan of Korean cinema like I put him up in the same bracket as Park Chan-wook who's you know one of the best directors in the world um, well everyone's saying Parasite's like the best film of the year it, it's really solid I mean for me I don't think it's um, uh, his best work I, I think he's done better work. I think Okja's better um, I love Doctor and you know, personally, from to my taste, I think Snowpiercer is better. But um, I, I do think this is a more accomplished film than Snowpiercer. I think that's fair to say. But I also think this has a really strong chance to be South Korea's first ever nomination for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars. It's absolutely insane that they've not been nominated before. Obviously, they've made movies like uh, Old Boy, uh, I Saw the Devil, The Handmaiden in recent years, uh, The Wailing... Um, some great stuff that's come out of South Korea possibly my favourite nation for cinema of all time I love Korean cinema, I think I've said that I think you have, yeah we get it I genuinely think (laughs) this could be nominated for Best Foreign Film and I think this could win right it's getting a lot of attention a lot more attention than any other foreign film this year so far but I will concede it's not been released in Oscar season oh which is, you know, a bit later isn't it yeah. January, February. Yeah. February, January, yeah. Um, oh, right, okay. But yeah, but I have heard great things, so. Yeah. 
Um, and I've always been disappointed with the foreign film category at the Oscars. It's always shit. Like, there's yeah. always be- like loads better foreign films. It's just like foreign film, like an Oscars foreign film, it feels like it's a very specific genre of foreign film. Yeah. Like an Oscars foreign film, it has to be like a, a real-life tale of a struggling, struggling working-class person from insert country. Mm-hmm. And it has to be shot with like real-life actors on the street um sort of thing do you know what i mean like they're they're all very much a similar sort of thing like roma's like that i think it was it shoplifting the recent japanese nomination was a lot like that yeah border was nominated for um an oscar this year that's good earlier this year but it didn't win and i think that's that's a bit more of like a step outside the box for them as well yeah um so that that's good to hear next film one that i did not expect to be that i would be saying would be in my top five but it fucking is the king. Oh, I haven't seen this. This just dropped on Netflix, has it? Yeah, it's. Uh, it was pretty popular on its release as well on Netflix. Did really, really well. Uh, got a lot of views. It stars Robert Pattinson and Timothy Chalamet, um, and it's a pretty much a very true to life retelling of a specific part of British history. And uh, you know, I had a I had a free Sunday afternoon. Uh, I sat down and watched it, and it was. I was really impressed by uh, how real it felt, but without being boring. It didn't fall into sort of... uh, There's a lot of BBC dramas at the moment that are a bit fucking like... What was that Tudor one? I don't know, Tudor... The Adventures of Tudor Steve. (laughs) (laughs) No, there was like a... Not Bleak House, but there was another... There was... There've been a lot of uh, BBC dramas. I suppose I put Poldark in this that are just sort of like really really mm. dull and don't really go anywhere and are a bit meh. But um this had like real like narrative drive to it and I'm always impressed with Joel Edgerton as a performer. Um in this he's essentially playing Sean Bean. Right. Like he does it's it's like he's doing Sean Bean for Snatch Game on Drag Race or right. something. Oh, which um, I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bastards. Like, um, that could be a good one to uh, to go for. Yeah, Sean Bean on uh, yeah. Snatch Game, yeah. which I'm currently going through a process of applying for, and it is complicated. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the King was really, really good. I thought it was a really, really true-to-life period drama of medieval warfare. It reminded me of uh, the Battle of the Bastards episode of Game of Thrones. I know you're not a big fan, no. but that's genuinely the best medieval warfare has ever been depicted sort of cinematically. And I felt like this was a kind of extension of that. I mean, Outlaw King came out this year and I thought that was pretty good as well. It was okay. The King was much better. Like, yeah, right. No, you're right. Outlaw King yeah. was just okay. It's sort of like a very much a, like a brave heart. Yeah. It was a of. film I watched with my dad. But yeah. then I got really drunk and then I was laughing at it. And dad, dad was like, it's not funny. I was like, yeah, and I remember it, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was just drunk. Um, but uh, but the king is much better right. than that. Well, like I'll watch quality. that with my dad then. I'll recommend that. To yeah, dad. definitely do. Um, Strong film. Then, uh, and I suppose this is now my final movie of my top five. Okay. Uh, Art of Self-Defense. Yes. Uh, this skirted around my top five. Um, we watched it the other day. Jesse Eisenberg, sort of like an indie comedy drama thriller. A long, you know, fight. Think Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. But um, funnier, much funnier. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great film. Very dark sense of humour. Sort but... of like a Fight Club crossed with Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a sort of a film about toxic mas- masculinity and machismo, um, and it's very odd. 
film. And it's one of those movies where when it's funny, you're doing belly laughs, but mm. when it's awful, it's fucking horrific. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just both edges of the coin, uh, but made a lot of, as you said, like comments about toxic masculinity yeah. that, I, that I appreciated. And uh, uh, it's, it's just really refreshing to see a movie uh, come from that angle. Yeah. And it sort of has, it's a sort of outsider's view of what martial arts is, because it's like not if you're into karate just forget it's not a karate movie no it's very much a movie for people that were bad at PE yeah it's a bit like a twisted karate kid I didn't find it was as full of itself as it could have been I feel like movies in this territory you know like indie satires can sometimes be a bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit wanky but this for me it didn't come across like that yeah totally um, and also t- two honourable mentions for things that I wanted to get in my top five but couldn't make it. Uh, Ad Astra, which I thought was a really fun, big sci-fi film to go and see in the cinema with Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, it is a bit derivative of like 2001, but it was dead fun to look at. Um, and also Forest of Love, which is a Japanese movie that's on Netflix right now. It's been released recently. It's fantastic. It's two and a half hours Shit. of like, I suppose sort of like a, like Japanese, like, lynchian cinema so it's got this sort of like weird uh noir um narrative to it but there's all sorts of big colorful lynchisms uh throughout it that just make it one of the weirdest films you've ever seen it's been directed by this guy called sion sono who i think is an absolute genius he's sort of like a modern day takeshi Miike. if you're familiar with his work he did audition uh itchy the killer and like Takeshi Miike, Sion Sono has made hundreds of films. Like he just churns the, them out. And I don't understand how he can make movies that are so long and so detailed and work so well. And yet he's still putting out fucking four a year. He's mm. a real marvel. Like you really have to watch some Sion Sono movies. Uh, the ones I'd recommend would be uh, Suicide Girls or uh, Cold Fish is a good one to start with. Uh, but The Forest of Love is on Netflix, and that's a good one to start with. So check that out. Right. Um, now, mentioned earlier about uh, horror movies in 2019, and there has been some uh, really good ones. And we're yeah. talking about um, films that didn't make our top five, but were sort of, well, not mediocre, but, well, actually, mediocre. There was a film called Hellfest. That was quite mediocre. Yeah, that's, a, that's an average film. But, but Good's Location, the film just wasn't that great, but visually it was good. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed it, you know. Um Child's Play remake. Yeah, again, really enjoyable. Better than Hellfest, that. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Because it's very just funny. It's a bit more like Black Mirror than the original Child's Play, but it's it, it does it quite well. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really, really solid. If you're going to remake it, remake it like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, well, I don't know if this is going to make my top five, but um, Us was... Um, yeah, interesting choice. I yeah, think that yeah. was brilliant. You didn't like that as much. I, didn't I thought like it, it was as fantastic. much, but I did enjoy it. And I had, you know, my girl in it, <laughs> and uh, and the whole cast are great. Yeah, um, yeah, it is well, it is well acted. I, I just, I don't know. So that could have made my top five, but um, I think it was between that and Endgame, and I probably have to put Endgame in there. So we'll start my top five. I will with the two that you have. Yeah. Endgame, right? Yeah. So we mentioned that and Midsummer. Yeah, I mean, like, so there's two. It's just undeniable, aren't yeah, they? They're I can't just... not mention them. Two of the greatest films of the year. But if you want to replace Endgame with Us, you know, I, I, for me, like, because we got them there, I'm just saying that Us was very close in there. But Endgame and Midsummer, first two mm-hmm. down, they're just a given. And you can't deny, you know, 
us it, it it's it's a fresh horror film it's doing something different it's bringing something different to the genre yeah you know even if it doesn't work 100 percent of the time but, it, <laughs> yeah. but it's just it cool is interesting yeah the soundtrack is, cool. is so good um it's just a killer soundtrack and it just looks really nice and it's just cool the setting is great um so uh yeah so us um but then in my top five we've downed endgame and midsummer now there are two more mainstream out of my five mm-hmm. the last three here are quite indie yeah midsummer and endgame again you just you can't not mention them but um what about a little black and white fisherman film called bait set in uh, oh, cornwall mate how did i fucking forget <laughs> If I can't have border, I'm having fucking bait, right? right? And bait did come out in 2019. If you haven't seen bait, um, you probably haven't because it didn't come out in a lot of cinemas. (laughs) Um, It's a fantastic film. Um, It's 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 all just like filmed like a really old movie was, and then the 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 sound is all dubbed over after, so the actors all look very stilted in the way that they're speaking. It it, is made with this um, real fisherman who like does. YouTube videos. I think he's a comedian or something, <laughs> but he's an actor and he's acting in this film. There's lots of um, like the odd person you might have seen on TV, but it's like no name actors and it's it's a indie arty film just about a fishing town. And if that's your bag, <laughs> then seriously, there's something about this film. It's just it's it's amazing. It's funny. It's sort of weird. It's it's really old but very current at the same time and it's just it's about those you know it's about gentrification and it's about um you know those those villages and those places that are kind of and those people that are kind of becoming lost in modern societies do you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah. or maybe they or maybe they're not maybe they're just maybe they're the real um true people i don't know it's just it's great i i really recommend this film yeah but it might not be everyone's cup of tea. Fair enough. <laughs> if you like a grimy film about fishermen. Right? right. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, another indie film I saw, I only saw this the other day. Um, it's out on general release um, on Friday, mm-hmm. I believe. Or, or, or Sorry, I don't know when this podcast is going out. I don't know. Uh, it's out on the 22nd of November. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a film called Greener Grass. Now, um, this was a weird, uh, sort of strange, arty black comedy about soccer moms. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend people watch the trailer for this. Yeah. Because it's very aesthetically driven. Yeah. Or almost similar to like, um, was it a Greasy Strangler? Yes, and An Evening with Beverly Loughlin, which, yeah, which you I hate. hate it. I hate But it was that, that not 2019? Should that not have been in your low five? Oh, mate. Surely that beats murder mystery for you. Yeah, no, it does. Wait, I've got to check this <laughs> because otherwise we're going to have to revise this whole episode. Yeah. Um, no, 2018, we're fine. Phew, okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's got that aesthetic. It's a sort of Napoleon Dynamite aesthetic almost. Um, it's familiar. It's very familiar of the work of Todd Salons, who's a director who I really like. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Did uh, Happiness and uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse and just a load of weird movies, palindromes. Um, and this is, a, yeah, it's a strange, um, just sort of satirical comedy about soccer moms, but it... it sort of works in a strange weird world of it, reality if from what i've seen of the trailer it reminds me of sort of like uh 
if Lanthimos did the Stepford Wives. Yes, yes, or yes. Or something. It's very much, a lot of people say, like, Black Mirror um, or David Lynch meets uh, Desperate Housewives. Or, mm. You know, it's that kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's suburban, a sort of suburban nightmare, but it's just really mad and sad. I mean, the, the, the film just starts with um, some soccer moms, and one of them has a baby, and she basically, um, out of politeness... Uh, gives another woman her baby uh, and then everything just spirals from there uh, and various mad things that happen in the social circle and in this woman's life uh, and everything just slowly fucking falls apart and crumbles but it's hilarious but very dark and sad but funny if that's the thing <laughs> it just is it's, I just really recommend it if you're into weird offbeat quirky cinema um, so yeah check that out Greener Grass uh, and last but not least, uh, a film that we both loved, I think, uh, mm-hmm. Extraordinary. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is an Irish comedy. We talked about it in our Grimfest episode um, of this podcast. Um, and it's just a great, crowd-pleasing, romantic, supernatural comedy. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about it in the podcast before. You can go back and listen to that episode. But it is a fantastic um, film, just sort of a, a, a supernatural comedy for all the family. And it should be released soon. So keep an eye out for that in the new year. Extraordinary. Because it, it's, you know, anyone sh- should see this film. Like yeah. Everyone should see it. it. It works for anyone. It's so accessible. It's so fun. It's so well made. Um, and it, it's just lovely. It is. It's just... Uh, Great performances from everyone in it, and um, yeah, it's just fantastic. Uh, if you like horror comedies like Shaun of the Dead, if you like watch- Father Ted, yes, you'll, you'll yes. love ex- <laughs> Extraordinary. Um, so yeah, so there's my top five, but I will say an honourable mention for um, a movie I also saw at Grimfest um, called Dead Dicks, yeah, um, which I have actually uh, just written a review for, cool. which you can find on uh, online on Vampire Squid. If you just go to Vampire Squid um, movie website, uh, you will find I have just posted my first review for them, and it is a review of a film called Dead Dicks, which is uh, by a Canadian married couple called Chris Pavota and Lee Paul Springer, and it's a crazy Lovecraftian, weird indie black comedy about a guy who tries to kill himself but then keeps coming back to life. And I believe there's a wall that's also an orifice. Yes, it's got like a vagina or an asshole. They, they generally discuss whether, you know, which one it looks like. But uh, every time uh, this guy, Richie, kills himself, he gets birthed out of this hole in his bedroom. And it's how they sort of, how him and his sister deal with that weird Lovecraftian, again, um, madness but it's a fantastic film and check it out it's a very low budget film but it's great there was horror films of 2019 um that you know it's been a good year and uh, we saw dr sleep recently which is the sequel to the shining yeah a lot of people really down on this like whenever i go to the cinema and it's played as a trailer before a film everyone goes but they're idiots yeah Uh, like it's perfectly reasonable to do an adaptation of uh, a sequel to a book that hasn't been adapted before. Yeah, this is it's just an adaption of a Stephen King book called Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Happens to have uh, some of the same characters from The Shining. Mm-hmm. It's all about Danny, uh, the kid. He's grown up. He's now Ewan McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I thought this was great because it, it was a very... Di- its strength was that it was a very different film to The Shining. And maybe it wasn't that scary for me. 
Um, but it reminded me more of films like Near Dark and The Prophecy, more like a sort of supernatural fantasy thriller. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of regretting not including this in my top five now. I really do think this was one of my most enjoyable cinema experiences of yeah, 2019. Yeah, because there, there were some young girls in there that were like um, laughing in the cinema a bit, and I thought, Did they, are they taking the piss out of this film? And I was quite annoyed, but they weren't too bad, so it was fine. But then afterwards, I could hear them talking outside, and they were they were generally excited about the movie, and they were scared wow, yeah. by it. And they were like 15 or something, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they were saying that it was like an 8 out of 10, it was really scary. And, and so that kind of made me feel quite good. Because um, I thought, well, okay, I wasn't totally scared by that, but I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, I'm old, so I've seen <laughs> a lot of horror films. Um, but for them, for young kids of 15 or whatever to be scared by it um, is a good thing. And I just thought it was a good film. He was great in it. It was, it was the the main little girl was great in it. It was great. Yeah. No, I think I think it's uh, no, it's a fucking great film. I, I also think that it's very easy to make this film shit. You know, like with all of the, um, like, you know, spoilers, the, the final act is set at the Overlook Hotel from The Shining. Yeah. Uh, it's really easy to do that badly, I would have thought. But it looks perfect. Like, it, it, it is the fucking Overlook yeah. Hotel. Yeah. It doesn't look like a CGI reimagining of the Overlook. It fucking is it. Yeah. And I think he does feel like Danny. Um, yeah. I think they get moments of it right. And it just, it works. And I'm not huge on that guy's work. I, uh, Mike Flanagan is. Or, I'm a huge. I'm a yeah, big fan. You are, and I enjoyed Hush. Um, I haven't seen Oculus. Um, Hush is perfectly, you know, a perfectly decent three-star Netflix horror film. You like the TV show he did? Yeah, Haunting on, of Hill House is fantastic, and I know that he's got a couple other movies in the works that also sound like, you know, perfect for him. For me, he's a very narrative-driven horror director, and I love that. I mean, I love story, yeah. and he seems to really pay attention to story over jump scares but some people just don't get on with this film um i thought rebecca ferguson was great in it she's outstanding really well cast yeah uh, and i think it's one of ewan mcgregor's best films in a very long time yeah i think it's great i don't think so, there's anything else we could say that's positive about this film it's yeah. really really good <laughs> so it was one of the good horror films of 2019 yeah Cool. Well, we should probably get to talking about Christmas films, seeing as we spent like an hour talking about <laughs> our best films of 2019. But, you know, uh, it's a festive special. And, you know, the new year is part of the festive season. So a roundup of 2019 is, yeah. it makes sense. As we said, yeah, we're having a bit of a break after this. So this is, uh, you know, um, a special. A big Christmas special. Hello. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Sorry, I was coming in as a Father Christmas then. Yeah. Ho, 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 little children. Oh. Merry Christmas. Right, what are you, fucking Prince Andrew? <laughs> Whoa. Um, I'm just trying to do the Christmas thing. You're not very Christmassy. Uh, no, I feel like this is a terrible choice. Uh, <laughs> but we have to do it. This is For an episode theme, because I'm not a big Christmassy person. I'm not a big fan of Christmas films. Um, and I'm just going to be a prick this episode. <laughs> I, I don't care who, who, who knows it. This has been an end of the year episode and obviously Christmas. End of the year, we, we have Christmas. Uh, and to go with that, Christmas movies that yeah. you hate. <laughs> I love Christmas movies. You know, there are, there are some ones I enjoy. For me, I like two Christmas films. I enjoy Elf, classic. Everybody yeah. likes Elf. Uh, mainly because it's got... Um, uh, a blonde Zoe Deschanel, and when I first watched that, when I was like, you know, twelve or whatever, you know, that did something. To I'll my give genitals. you that. Um, okay, I'll give you that. But it's uh, <laughs> a good film. Uh, yeah, no, I do like Elf, and I also like The Holiday. 
yeah. It's it's the sort it's of become a uh, reluctant Christmas ca- classic cri- Christmas film that you watch with the girls. You get some wine in, but I you all wear matching pajamas and you cry. But I just go straight to Love Actually, mate. You know, I'm not dissing Love Actually. I well, do you, like you can it. you can diss Love Actually. No, there's a I'm lot not... about Love Actually that is awful. You know what? <laughs> I fucking hate. Richard Curtis and all of all of that that sort of shite Fuck that he makes. You, <laughs> I like. I, I really, Curtis. really, really hate all of it. But four weddings. There's, there's something that I don't hate about Notting Hill. Uh, four weddings, I think, is really dull. And oh like, fuck off! The jokes don't work. Fuck off! It's so dated. Fuck you! Have you really watched it in the last ten years? Yes, and I still like, like it. It is quite dated, like, but I still like it. There's that vaguely funny bit where he's like in the cupboard and the door opens. That's quite funny. Hey, hey. Um, but the other jokes just aren't funny. It's basically it's the sort of film that thinks um, British people swearing is utterly hilarious. And it was at that time. No, it, it was funny. It, it was. I mean, I remember watching it um, as a kid when, when I had watched Notting Hill and I had watched Love Actually and I enjoyed both of those. I remember my family being like, well, then you'll love this and sitting down watching it as a kid and being like, this isn't funny. Yeah, like, well, people just saying time. fucking yeah. shit isn't funny anymore. I know, but this was before those ones. This was an. This was before it, it felt Notting like it Hill was, and it, Love Actually. Was, you know, it was. It was back in the days of like, Meeting an American person in England was genuinely astounding it and brilliant was. and it is. worthy of making a film about. Whereas now it's just like, you know, someone's on holiday. But that's not a Christmas film. Love Actually has sort of become a Christmas classic. Yeah. Um, for me, it goes a bit back older. Um, I, if I have to... No, but what do you think of About Time? Because that's, that's a more recent Curtis film. Do you, I, do you I accept... Really, I liked it. You, you like that? Do you not like it? I mean, it it destroys its own premise within like the first thirty seconds. It's not about the premise, is it? I mean, it literally is a movie about the premise. <laughs> but it no, the movie a, is called About Time. Yeah, it's but it, about it's, it's about family. It's, it's about, about time. time. It's about time spent with family. That's what it's, it's about, about. Time, time spent with your dad. It's not a sci-fi film. It is actually. It's yeah, but it, it, that's just a tiny little point of it. You know, it's about time spent with your. It's Dad, the central about time spent with family, about time spent with the one you love. It's about time. I'm Just not fuck you. <laughs> I'm not having you saying no. that time travel is not the central premise of a movie yeah, that's called it, about time. Yeah, but and it's, is about time well, travel. Well, it's not a sci-fi film, is it? You wouldn't put it in with like fucking Blade Runner or <laughs> Aliens. It's a sci-fi rom-com. <laughs> Barely. It's a film. And it's okay. Alright? It's not okay at all. It's terrible. Okay, fine. It's better than the boat that rocked. No, <laughs> um, anyway, it isn't. No, I, I, I preferred boat that rocked. Yeah, boat that rocked. I would prefer that if it didn't have a weird rape scene in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Just, yeah. it's really fucking weird. Yeah. So instantly, <sighs> that the rest of that film, I would like those elements of that film. I love because it was a radio and pirate. Yeah, radio, yeah, the but, music's great. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but the rape less so. <laughs> uh, Christmas films. Um, I'd go back. My favourite is probably Bill Murray's Scrooged. Which is, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've probably seen. I don't think I have, you know. Really, like, it's probably the Christmas film I've seen the most. It's so funny. It's a, it's a 80s version of uh, A Christmas Carol, the Ebenezer Scrooge story. But it's so funny and it's so well done. But everyone says Trading Places is funny. And I watched that the other day and that's not funny anymore. Well, Am I, have I been rude to you again? Have, you, have I upset you again? No, because I think Trading Places is great, but it's, a, it's a, yeah, I think Scrooge is a bit more accessible than that, and it's a bit more, um, yeah, it's just a bit, it's Bill Murray just being wonderful, um, and 
it's seriously great. It's one I've been meaning to watch. I mean, also, I, I don't think that we can get away from The Muppets Christmas Carol. That is a good film. Yes, yes. Um, before we go into that, I should say that um, we talked about Grimfest. Grimfest are doing a showing of Scrooge on December the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, check it out, somewhere in Manchester. Um, so they're doing a screening of that great Christmas film. Um, but I think there's a lot of screenings of Muppet Christmas Carol as well that always gets uh, thrown out in the cinemas again around this time. And that's a great it's a great Christmas film, The Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, it's yeah. got Michael Caine singing. <laughs> it's got loads of fucking puppets. It's great. Um, there was a Dudley Moore um one where he played an elf called santa claus the movie um which is a bit dated now john lithgow's the villain um yeah he's like a toy maker and um like patch or patches or whatever fucking dudley moore's called and he's an elf and he goes off and (laughs) makes like a toy with him and it it, it sounds better than it when you rewatch it it's it's a bit dated um as a kid i was always a fan of the um the tim allen Oh, the Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah, well, that spawned a whole trilogy, I believe. It did, yeah. <laughs> I remember enjoying the first two, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, fantastic. Um, what else was the... The Grinch. The Grinch. Home Alones. Home Alones, yeah. Um, there's a great Christmas horror film we should talk about called Rare Exports. If you've never seen Rare Exports, yep. um, it's fantastic. Uh, foreign film it's it's a weird twisted story about feral santa claus it's, it's amazing <laughs> um so i'd highly recommend that uh, a favorite of mine is the chevy chase uh classic national lampoon's christmas vacation yeah which i think is just a class family christmas movie you can whack it on anytime bang <laughs> um, there was a kurt russell one more recently last year the christmas chronicles um where he played father christmas yeah, yeah. I think um, the second Hurricane Bianca, as in the second Bianca Del Rio movie, nice. I think that counts as a Christmas Does film. Does it? I think that, that works well, as a Christmas film. Talking about, um, well, uh, in the community, mm-hmm. um, there's a film called Tangerine, which is... Yeah, um, you were, you were talk- telling me about this earlier today. It sounds really cool. It was, I think, the f- earlier film from the guy who went on to make a film called The Florida Project, which I still haven't seen with Willem Dafoe, but everyone says it's amazing. Yeah, it's going to be incredible. Um, but they did this film on, it was all filmed on iPhones, and uh, it's about a um, a trans uh, prostitute hooker. Um, sex worker. Yeah, sex worker. Um and yeah, they it's it's all set at Christmas, and it's like a, a, a sort of mad dramatic adventure that they go on on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, it sounds really interesting, and uh, something that I've definitely wanted to see more of. Like, a, I'd I'd like to see more gay Christmas stuff. Yeah, because Christmas is really gay. <laughs> I don't get why people stop like pretend that Christmas isn't totally gay. Like, I saw a, a, an ad the other day that they were looking for elves for a grotto and they advertised it as they were looking for two they were looking for performers that were from each of the two main genders right which seemed really odd to me because i was like (laughs) if there's one thing us non-binary people can do it's play a fucking elf (laughs) like are you fucking serious i like i'm way better at being an elf than like <laughs> most cisgender men with your beards. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Um, just... no, some more alternative Christmas movies. Um, we used to watch 
Uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah. Part of the Ernest movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you've seen many Ernest movies. Uh, I have. I used to watch them a lot as a kid. Strange character. I think, what was the guy? Jim Varney or whatever his name was. Um, he just various adventures as this weird redneck guy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Ernest Saves Christmas was a, a generally good Christmas film. Um, uh, also, a film called Get Santa with Jim Broadbent. It's a British film. came out a few years ago. Um, he plays Santa and he's framed and he's put in prison. And, yeah, I haven't um, actually seen this, but I remember it being advertised when it came out. Well, the good thing about it is it's got a lot of like those British hard-as-nails hard actors that are in those kind of gangster movies and prison movies that yeah. are in this. So you've got Stephen Graham is in it as, like, uh, this barber, that like, hairdresser that works in the prison. And uh, Don't they kind of conspire to, like, break him out of prison yeah, or something? Yeah, but he gets friendly nice. with a lot of the prisoners. I mean, that's a bit, like, it's similar to what happens in the great film Paddock and... Paddington 2, there's a whole prison yes. section in that Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, similar kind or of Or Grand comedy. Budapest Hotel. Oh, right, yes. Um... So, yeah, like, it's they're worth a watch at Christmas. Um, there's a new Netflix cartoons come out called Klaus, which looks really cool, and the animation's meant to be... It looks wonderful. It's meant to be really lovely, rich story for uh, maybe slightly old children, I don't know. And there's that Disney Plus one that's come out, at Noel, with Anna Kendrick. Yes. Um, Bill Hader. Anna Kendrick is Santa Claus' daughter. I'm totally in. But maybe for different reasons. Yeah, same. The kids. We're awful people. <laughs> I'm a dad. it's christmas i've got to get something out of these christmas films wow (laughs) you know um so yeah i didn't know if there's any other christmas movies um i should mention uh i mean there's the alternative ones obviously there's die hard gremlins um yeah gremlins is a great christmas film yeah good shout do you do you consider die hard a christmas film i do the debate you know. I don't even consider it a debate. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't understand what people are angry at. Yeah. It's a film set during Christmas. It's a yeah. fucking Christmas film. But there's lots of films. That, like, Lethal Weapon is a start of Christmas. Yeah. And um, that's fine. That's a Christmas film. Yeah. I don't get why people have this hang up. Like, yeah. if it's set during Christmas, it's a fucking Christmas film. If, yeah, I can see if, if like, a bit of it is set in Christmas, the majority of it isn't set at Christmas, that's not a Christmas yeah. film. It needs to be, you know, Christmassy throughout. Mr. Popper's Penguins. Christmas film. What about um, Christmas horror movies? Um, yeah, Black Christmas. Yeah, we mentioned Rare Experts, but there's also like Black Christmas. Krampus. A, uh, yes, Krampus is quite good. Uh, there's, there's a variety of different films called Krampus, but there was one made a couple of years ago with um, David Crouch, Adam, what are, Tony Collette. Yeah, yeah. that's who I remembered. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yes, uh, there's, there's one called uh, Jack Frost, not the Michael Keaton family movie, Jack Frost, about mm. a, a guy that becomes a snowman. It, this is a similar premise, but this is about an escaped serial killer who becomes um, a weird fucking snowman and kills <laughs> everyone. Uh, it's a terrible movie, but it's awesome <laughs> as well. Uh, so, yeah. Um, oh, that has a possible um, Christmas rape scene in it as well. With a carrot. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's bad. It doesn't get... No, yeah, why, they stop him. Why Why do our podcast... Like, it's we, not our fault. I suppose it's not, but like we seem to review a lot of movies that just casually throw in a bit of sexual assault that is really needless and doesn't need to be there. But I think that's just... That you know, it's says, happened with Bong Water. We, yeah. We, you know, we've watched a lot of movies over the last 30 episodes where there's just been needless... But I think that's just <laughs> a good... That's, we're representing what violence. cinema is. I mean, but that, that we're throwing a mirror up. We're, you know, showing a reflection to society. And, to, you know, it's not our fault. We didn't put the rape scenes in. 
No, but some of them do seem pointless. Like they don't seem to add much know, to the definitely. cinematic experience. And why? So why are these people doing it? <laughs> I don't know, mate. Cinema. Anyway, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, it's my pitches first. Uh, I've said earlier in this episode, I'm not a big Christmas fan. I'm not a big fan of Christmas movies. Uh, I'll, I'll go out uh, on a limb this week and say I think these are my worst pitches. <laughs> Really? <laughs> of of, the, of this the, podcast. Really? <laughs> I just don't think I've really thought... I found it very difficult to come up with like a, a fun idea for this because Christmas films should be fun. I do agree with that. I, I just find it difficult to tap into that particular strain of fun. Not all Christmas films are fun, I suppose. Well, It's a Wonderful Life is more about, you know... I don't know. It's, it's well, drama. it's funny you should mention It's right. a Wonderful Life. Okay. Because my first pitch is kind of a modern retelling of It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Okay. Now, I came across this idea by accident because I'd done our classic tactic of uh, uh, working out what film to pitch by starting with the title. <laughs> yes. You've got a good title, you jump you know, and you go backwards. Okay. So I thought of a really good title and then I thought of a premise and then realized, ah, oh, this pretty much is It's a Wonderful Life. But... It's about time we did a modern retelling of that film. Yeah. And realistically, that's kind of a modern retelling of A Christmas Carol. Right. You know, it, it, it yes, feels yes, like yes, yes, yes. It's, similar. It, it's a tale that, that should be updated. So my idea, right, and we'll start with the title. And the title is The Christmas Jumper, right? The Christmas Jumper. The Christmas Sounds Jumper. harmless. It's lovely. Yes. It is about a man... Uh, <laughs> Who jumps off a building? Right, to oh, Christmas suicide. jumper. Okay, I get it. At, right, at right. Christmas, wearing a Christmas jumper. He could be wearing a jumper. Like, yeah, I think it'd be nicer to. Well, it wouldn't be nice to see no, anyone jumping off a bridge. But yeah, but if someone's jumping off a bridge with like a glow, you know, a light up reindeer jumper or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, right, Christmas jumper, suicide at Christmas. It's not a new thing. It's a wonderful life. Yes, but kind of like as he falls, like angels come this to is, him this is just a remake of it's a wonderful life yeah so but it's kind of <laughs> shit but um and they sort of like you know show him uh what life would be without him you know which is the same as it's, it's a wonderful so life you've, you've made it's a wonderful life but <laughs> but the difference is is this is way more depressing oh, because they're really you can't make a more depressing version of that film <laughs> they're way much longer before showing the results in this film do you know what i mean they're sort of like right. They they show. Oh wait, no, I think I probably no wait. Have you just remade? It's I think a wonderful. I have life. Just remade. It's a wonderful life. I think I've underplayed in my memory how awful it's a wonderful life is, because I'm getting it mixed up with what happens in a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Now you see, they've made tons of versions of Christmas Carol. They have. Yeah. They've made variations on it's a wonderful life no, kind of thing. You see, what I've done is I've gone. Oh, I'll make a more depressing version of it of a Christmas Carol, but that is, is "It's a Wonderful Life." Yes, yes. So yeah, yeah. My pitch is well, a reboot, a remake. Yeah, and it is, and it's just got that different name, which is sort of like a like a, a more up to date modern name right. for it. You know, yes. it's got like a yes. pun, a play on words. Yes, the Christmas jumper. Yeah, does it have to be a man? Doesn't Could have be a to be a man. Um, Could be a struggling single mother. Or what about? Go on. Okay, so you take the uh, It's a Wonderful Life sort of premise, but you focus on the angel guy rather than the other guy. That's a really good idea. What was his name? Clement or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, Clarence or Clement or... Clarence. Twatface. Um, <laughs> yeah, mine could be called Twatface in this. No, or, or, or you could call... Yeah, the Christmas jumpers. Um, I mean, he could... 
it could be about him visiting all the different people like trying to commit suicide all the time. That's a you much better I mean? idea. So he visits the people that are trying to, and then maybe he gets depressed from yes. working with all those people for so long. Yes. He gets depressed and it's about his mental breakdown. <laughs> but then he but then he gets helped by other people. Well, no, no, he doesn't get helped and it's just horrible. <laughs> then it just ends. I mean, no, I think, I think, <laughs> okay, it, yeah, we'll I make think it, a it should movie. be, okay. You know, but relatively that's quite nice. a good idea. Yeah, that's quite a good idea, though. Yeah, like the, the angel himself. It's a day in the life of an angel on Christmas Day, having to deal with all of these sad souls and suicidal uh, thoughts uh, on you know a time that should be festive and lovely and spent with your family. Or maybe he meets one Christmas jumper, a woman that he falls in love with, and it's like City of Angels with Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. Yeah, it's a bit rapey, though, isn't it? It's a that little is bit, a bit rapey. It's a little bit baby. It's cold outside. Yes, you know what I mean. Because someone about like, you know, to ju- sleep with me or kill yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I understand that suicided people are quite vulnerable. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. so are angels, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't really know. But maybe. I was thinking more like a sweet love story that, you know, they they, they, they connect. Maybe they, that can be a subplot, you know, that, he, you know, he starts talking to one particular one quite a lot. Maybe he just has a big wank. Yeah. And then kills himself. Wow. Yeah, cool. So that's my first idea. So that's a Christmas film <laughs> for kids. The Christmas Jumper. Hey, kids. No, but I do like- to- well, what if it was Father Christmas, like, jumping off a bridge? And that's why it's called the Christmas <laughs> Jumper. And, you know, I could just see an image of Santa Claus just waiting on the edge, you know? And then uh, they- like, kids come down to their Christmas yes. tree in the morning, there's just no presents because Santa yeah. committed suicide. Yes. Oh, and then it's Christmas Day, and then Santa's on the bridge. And this is the last test of the angel. And he, <laughs> his last test at the end of the film, big finale, is Santa gets suicidal. And so the angel has to come back and save the biggest one of all, Santa, from killing himself. And then they go to, like, his workshop in the North Pole. And right there's just, yourself. like, thousands of elves that have just, like, hung themselves. Know about this bit? <laughs> oh yeah, but the bit before about Santa killing himself. Yes, was well, no, because reasonable. he doesn't kill himself because he gets saved at the end. But he's like, the, he's okay. he's the main sort of suicide mission that he's got to do at the end. So basically, our idea is to do a Christmas movie themed around suicide. Yes, but like the angel has all these different suicides that he's got to stop, <laughs> and the big one at the end is Santa. <laughs> I think this works. Okay, we'll go on to my second idea, okay. um, which is basically... Um, what have you remade, remade now? <laughs> well, it's it's uh, it's an adaptation or a spin-off. It's basically um, a TV show I've been absolutely loving, and I think they should do a Christmas movie. Uh, so I've been watching Pose, which is it's available on iPlayer, actually. Uh, so you can watch it for free if you listen to us in the UK. Um, and it's a fantastic... TV show uh, featuring an ensemble cast and it's sort of set in uh, the New York ball scene of the late 80s and in the second series uh, the early 90s Um, and it's sort of about the trans community and the wider LGBT community Um, and at the time they were sort of like culturally quite relevant but socially um, you know kept at arm's length from the rest of society like there were a lot of you know uh, scare tactics in the media surrounding AIDS and LGBT lifestyles. Um, but at the same time, 
you know, Madonna's Vogue was in the charts. So they, they were culturally important, but socially um, kicked to the side. And it's really interesting seeing these lives depicted because I felt like you know, trans lives in particular uh, in the 20th century just feel like they've been completely erased. Like it feels like we didn't even know there was trans people in the 20th century, but there was and they had full long lives. And um, this series really shines, shines a light on that. There's a lot of trans actors uh, and actresses in it. Thanks, Siri. Um, <laughs> and so, so like, uh, you know, there isn't a trans character that's played by a cisgender actor at all. Um, it, they're always played by trans uh, actors. And it's about fucking time that happens. Uh, and also, not just the trans community, it's uh, it shows... Uh, the, the the black community, but more importantly, the the poor black community. So it's basically showing the lives of working class black trans people who like, I mean, when are they ever on the television? Right. <laughs> and I think it's about time they got in the cinema. I mean, uh, as I said, both series are on BBC iPlayer. I think season two is a lot better than the first series because season two goes into like their activism work and their protest movement. Um, it's just like so much important stuff that I feel we've just forgot. Um, and I think it'll be perfect for a Christmas film because it, it's about alternative families. Yeah. You know, these people, uh, their friends, their families, and you know, like they have mothers who aren't their biological mothers. They're their like drag mothers or their trans mothers and whatever. And, um, it's just lovely to see these families, uh, exist in sort of like, a normal way like without judgment because like we always perceive families at christmas as being a very heterosexual cisgender thing uh, and it's you know i don't have the best time at christmas because i feel uh, quite out of sync with the heteronormative you know uh way that we tend to do christmas in the united kingdom um yeah, it's just tradition and it's just, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we don't seem to get away from some of it yeah, yeah and it's just very male female um and blah blah, blah. doesn't matter <clears throat> um and probably why I fucking hate Christmas films. Uh, so, like, I just love to see a lot of transgender people having a lovely Christmas. And I just want to see Billy Porter uh, dressed up as some sort of Christmas elf. Could he not be Santa? He could, could be. Could we have a he's, trans Santa? He's my favourite, honestly. And, like, there's a lot of stuff where he, he gets quite ill in the second series of, yeah. of Pose. And, honestly, I, I I haven't cried at a series as much as Pose, like, like ever. I really can't remember that, how much I've had an emotional connection to a series. And I genuinely don't think that is just because I personally am trans. I think if you don't have that experience, you will see the heart and emotion in this story too. Please watch it. It's it's really, really lovely. And anyway... No, it is. My, because... my idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it? Yeah, because um, I would never have gravitated towards that series, but I watched bits while you were watching it yeah and i'm generally going to watch it it's really good it's really good because it's funny yeah. isn't it it does it's just engaging i don't know and again i i'm it's a world i'm completely unfamiliar with so i was genuinely just engaged by watching it. the the casting in that show has just blown me away because this is the first major role any of these actors and actors have been given because they don't get roles trans people don't get roles in major hollywood productions and they are performing better than, you know, world-class actors in yeah. huge Hollywood films. Yeah. Um, so what about a trans Santa? Great idea. Santa transitions. Yeah, and he becomes Mrs. Claus. Yeah, and Mrs. Claus is fine with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the two Mrs. Claus is just <laughs> yeah. having a lovely, you know, fucking time. <laughs> That's quite a cool idea, actually. And you know what? I could actually see, I could see them doing this starring Caitlyn Jenner. Yes, 
I, I genuinely could see this as like, you know, um, we saw, there was that Kurt Russell Christmas film that I saw yeah. last year with Gobby Horn. Christmas Chronicles. It's great. Like a Don't, really, really, oh, yeah, yeah. She, she appears in the She appears. That's a bit of a spoiler, yeah. actually. No, Sorry. no, I, I, I knew about that, but I forgot about it. Um, I guessed it at the start of the film oh, right. because they kept like teasing who is she going to be. And right. I was like, I bet it's fucking Goldie Horn because yeah. they're married in real life. Excellent. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, that's a great idea. A trans Santa Claus. And I, I, th- I'm not a big fan of Caitlyn Jenner. Most of the trans community isn't because she's like a, a rich white lady that killed a man. Uh, you know, like the fact that she's trans, like, yeah, it's great that trans representation is being talked about more. That That's brilliant. But, you know, she is an idiot. Right now she's in the jungle in Australia and I'm a celebrity get me out of here, the TV program. I have actually found her quite entertaining in this show. Um, but I do understand why most people find her fucking annoying. But I think this is something that she could do that would be just generally beneficial. Like, I think, you know, you, you can make this movie, you just make sure that, like, there's no shitty, easy trans jokes in there. That yeah. It's just quite empowering. And because I think there is an alarming amount of kids uh, that, you know, basically, I, I think there are a lot of kids this Christmas that are probably going to be set down with the first time having Christmas with their trans parent for the first time. And wouldn't that be lovely if they sat down and had, like, a quite a lovely Netflix movie that really spoke to their yeah. experience. Yeah. And you could easily do a trans version of Christmas Carol even. Yeah, and also, know. like, Caitlyn Jenner's not going to ask much to do a movie. Like, she's not exactly <laughs> a fucking movie star, is she? Well, surely there's better choice that, you know, we can get, we can get some actual good trans actors and actors. Yeah, but I think if you're looking for, like, um, someone with, you know, like, that wide appeal, do you know what I mean? Like, where yeah. people know them. Like, there, there isn't another household trans name yet. The closest you have is India Willoughby, and she is also a cunt. Hmm. Well, let's hope. <laughs> let's hope we get more in the coming years. Yeah, yeah. We've got Sam Smith. Again, another cunt. It, <laughs> all, all of our most famous uh, representatives are awful people. But, you know, one day we hope to... Well, there's plenty of uh, characters from... MJ Rodriguez, for instance, from Pose is fantastic. And there's plenty of others. Um, but in my movie idea, I think... I don't know. You might need to be familiar with the series for this to make sense. But there's um, this character called Electra, who's sort of like... She's um she's chaotic good. She isn't necessarily a good person. She's sort of like used as the um the antagonist in a lot of the series. But you know, like she thinks she's all that, and I think it's a story about her stealing Christmas. Nice, that could work. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. Okay, ready for my pitch. I am. We open. It's a dark TV studio. No, no. Bum 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 bum. Michael Sheen. He's playing a, t- a TV um, journalist. He's the Welsh one. Presenter. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy. Frost Nixon. Um, Not Martin Sheen. No, no. Um, uh, Michael Sheen. Yeah, yeah. Michael Sheen. <laughs> you just completely threw me. By, as I was saying, Michael Sheen's not part of the Sheen family. Um, Michael Sheen. He's the chameleon. He's the, you know, he, he does all the impressions. He was Tony Blair. He did Kenneth Williamson. He was in Apostle films. as well, which I really yeah, liked. Yeah. Um, he's the go-to guy. He's played Tony Blair various times. He did David Frost in mm-hmm. Frost Nixon. Um, so this is a very sort of so think Frost Nixon right now. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So dark studio. A celebrity is being interviewed in a, a much-watched television interview. Oh wait, I think I know what the, this premise is going to be. <laughs> Are you pitching wait. the Prince Andrew interview, but with Santa? <laughs> Recently, there was a Prince Andrew interview on television where he was uh, having to discuss with Emily Maitis on BBC about his uh, connection with Jeffrey Epstein, the 
big fucking nonce that yeah. killed himself yeah, yeah, or the, didn't kill himself. The uber nonce. Yeah, yeah. The did or did not kill himself. Didn't. But <laughs> he definitely did diddle though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, no, forget that. This is a studio. We've got Michael Sheen. He's playing um, a journalist. Mm-hmm. Piers Morgan-like. Yeah. He could even be, I mean, he's a chameleon. He could even be playing Piers Morgan here. I mean, yeah. it depends whether you want the character of Piers Morgan in this film or not, but... Yeah, okay. Yeah. But that kind of character, right? Right. And he's interviewing, yes, bum bum, Santa Claus. So, right, so it's... it's, it's something dodgy's happened, and... Has Santa s- assaulted an elf? There have been... Complaints. Yes, there's been accusations, and and they're looking into historical offences within Father Christmas's past. Okay. So we've got that's uh, the 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 backbone of the movie. You've got Michael Sheen, and I don't know who we're going to make Santa here because John Goodman. Ooh, not bad, not bad at all. Yes, because we need someone with a bit of dramatic gravitas. This can't be fucking Tim Allen in a you know fat suit. Or like Gambon. Yeah. Timothy Spall. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking along those lines. Um, Possible fate would have been good, but he's dead. Yeah. McKellen. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so he's getting uh, interviewed about, but then we see... Brian Cox. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Um, we've got him. And then, uh, but then, so the, the crux of the film is they're getting interviewed, you know, so far, so Frost Nixon, but we have... Um, like, you know, it goes off into little tangents of the story. So we follow a lot of them, uh, Mrs. Claus's story. Okay. Um, Glenn Close, something like that. Yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, I want uh, I want to really see like a dramatic... Well, Fonda. Yes, a, dram- a woman trying to stand by her man who she's f- trying to believe is innocent. But the evidence is piling up, Mrs. Claus, that Santa is a fucking nonce. And and maybe like there's a, she sort of like has the moral quandary of like, but if we get rid of Santa Claus, then who's going to bring Christmas? You know, like even if Santa Claus is an awful person, wouldn't we be disappointing millions of children if like you know yeah. this so story she, comes out? Does she cover it up? And then there's another story um, of uh, I think an elf, maybe an elf that was I don't know. You know, I'm thinking elf abuse here. Okay. But, uh, you know, there's... So you the, think he shoves elves up his bum? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking he does something with elves. He puts them in Santa's, Santa's sack. One of the elves has spoken up, and, you know, they've there's been a whole Weinstein thing in Lapland. Elf <laughs> lives matter. Yes. <laughs> Hashtag reindeers too. No, he didn't fuck the reindeers. Or maybe. No. <laughs> but this is a, you know, so, so this is a, 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 a harsh... Um, everyone around the world's watching on TV. Ho means ho. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like no means no. Yeah, I, I, okay. Did you get it? Yeah. Um, but wait for it. The name of this film is, of course, The Naughty List. <laughs> <laughs> because he's going through a list of sexual offences <laughs> that Father Christmas may or may not have, um, you know... So basically, Santa's checked his list and his name is on it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Santa is on the register. (laughs) Um, So, but I I can really see this. It's like a dark drama. Him getting interviewed, you know, sweating a lot. Uh, I I also think it it has potential to work as quite a hard-hitting satire on um, people 
such as Prince Andrew, who are at that level of privilege and elitism where, yeah. you know, real life laws and legality just don't yeah. um, matter to them. You know, like, I mean, you know, with, with, with the Tory parties lies on last night's debate and everything like they're just not accountable exactly and i don't think santa would be accountable yeah, yeah. <laughs> either and then that starts uh, uh, an avalanche um the easter bunny goes down um <laughs> you know uh the who, rock as the tooth fairy <laughs> yeah again. yeah the tooth fairy oh we're not happy about him uh, whatever um uh, uh you know who else is there um the, the you know it, it's, it's just it's it's all crumbling and mm-hmm. the bad people are getting uh, spotted and they're getting their comeuppance. <laughs> so, yeah, it's co- sort of like um, fables, but uh, <laughs> about a sort of like a, a courtroom drama. Yes, yes. But featuring yes. fairy tale yeah. characters. Well, and... they get dragged into it. There's witnesses and things, you know, there's lots of stories, <laughs> different stories. different. Um, so I don't know what the outcome would be at the end, whether he was... Guilty or innocent, but what I'd like to do with the ending is go all Bandersnatch um, and have a choose-your-own: is Santa guilty or did he fuck elves, kids, reindeers, whatever? Uh, <laughs> Vote now. Yeah. So if I, <laughs> uh, I would make Santa a nonce. What would you do? I think I would too, but yeah. I, I, I'm quite in- intrigued by your idea of turning. <laughs> This movie about is Santa a nonce into an interactive experience. I literally just had this idea, but I was trying to think, how would I sell this to a sort of family audience at Christmas? Because this is quite a dark drama. Turn it into a board game. (laughs) Is Santa a nonce? You know how they're like, you know, press the red button for more media. It's sort of like press like Rudolph's red nose for For more dark secrets. For more media. (laughs) For more dark secrets from the stable. I don't know what I'm saying. We've been recording this podcast for a very long time. <laughs> yes. That's 30. Yeah, not. Yeah, well, this episode, but there's 30 episodes. Um, and yeah, and we're ending on my pitch, which is non Santa, <laughs> the naughty list. Now, I mean, I did have, I did, I did have another um, quick idea. Um, you know, oh, yeah. like those holiday specials. Yep. I thought you could have a holiday special presented by. Um, Gerard Butler's character from the Olympus Fallen movies called Banning a Christmas. <laughs> Banning. Christmas, Christmas with the Bannings. Banning Christmas. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that works. I'll, I'll be, you know, you know, Nick Nolte played his dad in the last one. You could have him and Nick Nolte just having a family. I'd just like to see a Banning Christmas. Banning's family. bunting. I'd like to see a Banning family Christmas. Yeah. Okay. But my main film is, yeah, I just want to get this. I want to get non-Santa made, naughty list. Bang. I think, get that out there. I think Mike Banning would definitely buy Nick Nolte a foot spa for, for Christmas. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, cool. Well, I, th- I, think, I think that's our Christmas episode. Are you feeling Christmassy, children? Not even slightly. I'm performing in a pantomime at the Dance House Theatre. Tickets are available. And I don't think I should legally be allowed to with how much I, I have a disdain for Christmas. Because I just work through December. I don't, I don't have time to, like, enjoy anything Christmassy. I just, I just, I just work. I just do shows. I'm shouted and pointed at by children, um, and I spend hours doing makeup and wearing glitter and coughing up glitter. And well, ugh. relax. Get yourself to the cinema. Go see uh, the Naughty List, starring <laughs> Michael Sheen and uh, Michael Gambon, <laughs> um, or Brian Cox. It was, wasn't it? 
Um, and uh, yeah, go watch a hard-hitting drama about um, dodgy Santa. I might, I might just do that. Um, but before we go, I would like to say once more, tickets are available for <laughs> Goldilocks and the Three Bears at uh, the Dance House Theatre in Manchester. It's genuinely Manchester's finest pantomime. I'm playing Red Riding Hood this year. Uh, details are at thedancehousetheatre.co.uk, I think. So, yeah, we'd like to thank you, the listeners, uh, for listening to 30 episodes, if you have, yeah. 30 episodes of Movie Bong. If you haven't, this thank isn't for you. I'm not yeah. thanking you, you, but, you dick. So why don't you spend your holiday season going back through all the old episodes? There's so many pictures there and movies and reviews and all that. We sh- we, yeah, they should do that. But also, I feel like we're, we're bothering them now. This has been a long episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, have a Merry Christmas. And a happy new year from yeah. movie all at Movie Bong. Yeah, or, and if you are of any other faith, have a good time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, just everyone, just have a nice time around that date. Yeah, all 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 humans, all humans, all hu- not the Nazis, not you. I don't know what you do for Christmas, but uh, but fuck you. Yeah, and please, Santa, don't be a nonce. <laughs>